leading us this morning. And uh, I sure hope if you came in to the house of the Lord this morning and uh, you were exhausted or weary and not sure you really wanted to be here this morning, I hope the truth that we have been singing to each other this morning as we worship God has begun to stir up in your heart an excitement about what we are going to celebrate at the end of our service, what Christ has done on our behalf and what the results of that are. I was talking with one of our deacons after the first service and he was just mentioning how exciting it was to see how God orchestrates our sermons on a Sunday. I hope you understand it's God who orchestrates our services. Yes, there's different parts that are involved. There's musicians, there's Pastor Jordan or Pastor Steve putting the songs together. There's one of the pastors praying. There's the sermon that's coming. But it was just so neat this morning, as we see so often every Sunday, how God coordinates the aspects of the service to get a clear message across to us. And that message is so clear that he wants us to know today that we are free in Christ. And in fact, that new song that Pastor Jordan introduced, you're going to hear in the sermon again. I guess the Lord just really wants us to make sure that we understand we are free indeed. And so it's exciting because this isn't just a, another separate part of our service now. No, this is a continuation of what God has been teaching us since we came in this morning and what we've been learning through singing our worship songs. And so I'm so excited this morning to just continue the theme of what we are focusing on today, and that is Christ's all-inclusive gift of salvation. Christ's all-inclusive gift of salvation. And the question I want to ask yourself and the question I've been asking myself this week as I've been preparing is, are we enjoying all of its privileges? Are we enjoying all of its privileges? Before Jen and I started to seriously consider starting a family, there was one thing as a couple that we both wanted to do, and that was go on an all-inclusive vacation. And uh, we both have fantastic memories of great vacations that we've enjoyed with our families growing up, but we had never been on an all-inclusive vacation. Now, I know if you're a grandparent here, you're probably saying, okay, wait a minute. You're a parent of four kids, Calvin. You do realize that every vacation you've taken them on has been all-inclusive because they've paid nothing for them. But that's not what I'm talking about this morning. You know what I'm talking about. Going to one of those all-inclusive resorts and so we decided to celebrate the new century and welcomed in the year 2000 at an all-inclusive resort on the beautiful island of Aruba. And we figured, you know what, if all this hype about Y2K and the world shutting down and everything is really going to happen, would we rather be stuck on an island in Aruba or in our townhouse in Whitby? And so we booked our all-inclusive vacation and went to Aruba. And it was fantastic. And I remember that feeling waking up the first morning and going, wow, this is a really cool feeling. And, you know, as I think about it now, you've paid for it. But at that moment, you're like, this is a great feeling that I can go to any restaurant on this resort and just enjoy the meals that are provided, knowing that it's being paid for in full. The only mistake I made, it wasn't until the second last day when we were on the island that I realized I didn't have to wait till mealtimes to enjoy all the food that was available there. Because included in our all-inclusive package was the ability to order off a menu. Wings, fries, burgers, milkshakes, ice cream, whatever you wanted, whether you were on the beach or whether you are beside the pool. Well, once I realized that, my appreciation for our all-inclusive package went up and I took full advantage of all that was included in that vacation over those last two days. 
And you know what, as I reflect on that time in 2000, I realize that sometimes, as followers of Jesus Christ, we can make that same mistake with how we handle the all-inclusive gift of salvation that Christ has paid in full for us. Just like I did in Aruba. Sometimes, maybe it's because you're early in your journey as a follower of Jesus Christ, and you're actually not even fully aware of all that is yours in Christ. That's why discipleship is so important. That's why being part of a discipling community is so important, so that we can teach one another from God's Word the blessings of what we have in Christ. So some of you may not even know all that we have in Christ. But for those of us who have been on the journey for a little bit longer, we become so familiar with everything that sometimes we overlook and we underappreciate the extent of Christ's generosity to us. And that's why it's so important, personally in your own walk as a follower of Jesus Christ and corporately as a church family, that we regularly gather to remind ourselves of the privileges and all that is part of Christ's all-inclusive salvation that he has paid for us. And there are a few that do a better job of helping us with that than the Apostle Paul. And so this morning, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to encourage you to turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, where we are going to read the first 11 verses. And I would encourage you to stand with me this morning as we open up God's Word to read it together. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 to 11. An amazing portion of Scripture that I hope as, as I read it to you this morning, as you follow along in your mind, just take time to absorb the Word of God to you this morning. Therefore... There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. This is the wonderful and amazing Word of God to us this morning. You may be seated. I fully agree with what one of the authors I was reading this week said. He said, if the Holy Scriptures are a ring, then the letter to Rome, the Romans that Paul wrote, is a precious stone, and chapter 8 is the sparkling point of that jewel. 
It's an incredible chapter, and we're only going to deal with the first 11 verses this morning. But it's an incredible chapter that outlines so many of the wonderful blessings and privileges that are ours in Christ Jesus. And so this morning, we're going to allow Paul to help us to remember, as he wrote this letter to the believers in Rome, we're going to use his words to help us remember just three, just three of the many privileges and blessings that are ours because we are united with Christ and we get the blessing of enjoying his all-inclusive salvation. The first privilege Paul highlights is we enjoy in Christ a new freedom. We've been singing about that this morning. A new freedom. Freedom from condemnation. And in verse 2, freedom from the law of sin and death. Therefore, he says, there is now no condemnations for those who are in Christ Jesus. That is great news. Praise God. Incredible news that we must never forget, that we must never underappreciate, but always celebrate. For those of us who have been saved for a while, sometimes we forget the truth that at one time we were all under condemnation and in slavery to sin. Sometimes we get, by God's grace, we move along in our journey and mature as a disciple. We're not to dwell on the past. But sometimes if we forget what he's rescued us from, sometimes it will affect how joyous we worship him. And so it's good to be reminded that at one time, we were all under condemnation and in slavery to sin. And over time, we can lose that sense of the seriousness of the depravity of every human being who is born positionally guilty before God, separated from God, and deserving of his wrath, deserving of his just payment, his just penalty, which our guilty verdict demands. Romans 6, 23, a very familiar verse. The wages of sin is death, spiritual death, eternal separation from God's presence. And Paul in Romans chapter three, if you flip back a couple of pages, Verses 10 to 12 reminds us that we were all once under this condemnation, deserving of God's wrath. He writes, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. And if you roll down in that same chapter 3, verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If you flip over to Ephesians chapter 2, Paul writes in the first five verses of that chapter, as for you, meaning all of us, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. What's the first word in verse four? But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. Amen? And those two verses, verse 4 and 5 in that chapter in Ephesians, is the reason why Paul can confidently declare, Therefore, 
There is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. And in our text that we read in verse 2 and 3, Paul makes it very clear how this is possible that we can enjoy this new freedom. It is only through Jesus Christ and what he has done for us through his sinless life, through his sacrificial death, and through his glorious resurrection. He is the only reason we enjoy this freedom from condemnation this morning. He highlights in verse 3 that the law was powerless to do this for us, to provide that freedom, to render sin powerless in the flesh, and to free us from condemnation and make us righteous. But it doesn't stop there. What the law was powerless to do, Paul says, God did. Praise the Lord. God did by sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. We've just come through a season where we have been celebrating Christ's incarnation, Emmanuel, God with us. And how did he come to us? Paul explains it very clearly, in the likeness of sinful flesh. He is fully man. Jesus was fully man, but different than us. He was without sin. He came in the likeness of us, sinful, guilty, separated from God. In bodily form, he came in the likeness of us, but different. He was without sin. And what was his purpose? He came to be a sin offering, an atonement, a sacrificing atonement to pay for our guilt Romans chapter 3 verse 25 says God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood, which we are going to celebrate later in the service, to be received by faith. God judged our sins in the sinless humanity of his son who he sent. God made him who knew no sin to become sin so that in him, imagine this, we who are sinful can become the righteousness of God. That is incredible. Have you perhaps overlooked? Have you perhaps forgotten the extent of God's grace to us? He sent his son to be an atonement for us, to pay the price that we could not pay on our own so that we could be set free. There is no condemnation since the condemnation of for those who are in Christ has already been paid in full by Christ. His death on the cross, which we're going to celebrate together, was the divine condemnation of sin in the flesh, and as a result, the enslaving power of sin on those who are in Christ has been broken, and we are free. I was just... So amazed at God's grace this week as I looked over this passage afresh. God in his grace provided the only way for anyone who calls on the name of the Lord to be saved. And have their sentence, have your sentence, have my sentence changed from being guilty before God to being forgiven and free. No longer condemned, but justified. That amazing, instantaneous, legal act of God that took place at the time when you received Jesus as your personal Savior, where God viewed your sins as forgiven, and he viewed his son's righteousness as belonging to you so that he could declare you righteous, no longer positionally guilty, but justified. Turn with me to Romans chapter 5. 
verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, here's another privilege, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. We can stand before a holy God as righteous because of what Jesus has done for us. Not positionally guilty, not separated from him, deserving of his wrath. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. And here's the good news. No sin of Calvin's, past, present, or future, will ever be able to reverse that legal decision made by God on my behalf. That's good news because I know what my past was like. No, dis, no sin, past, present, or future, will be able to reverse that decision that was made by God on the day when he gave me the gift of faith to believe in his son, Jesus Christ. How, how many of you, even though you are in Christ, the enemy still tries to discourage you by chirping lies into your mind about your past? Tries to bring it up tries to discourage you from moving forward as a follower of Jesus Christ. Well, when Satan taunts you and brings up your past, dwell on this verse. Dwell on this privilege you have in Christ. And remember, God is the one who justifies. So who has the right to bring an accusation against someone who God has already justified as righteous? What an incredible privilege that we have. A new freedom. And let's not forget who's writing this. Because like myself, you might have a past that's like, wow, Pastor Calvin, it's hard for me to really embrace this truth because you don't know who I was. I don't know who you were, but we are told in Scripture who Paul was. Right? Saul oversaw the killing of Stephen. He persecuted Christ's church. And yet in spite of his awful past, he came to the understanding that what Christ has done for him, and he fully embraced the truth of verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Dwell on that when the enemy tries to bring up your past. You have been declared righteous. This is why Paul focused so much on this truth of justification in the first seven chapters of his letter to Romans. Because it is an amazing privilege that we have in the all-inclusive salvation provided by Jesus Christ. We are able to stand right before a holy God by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's overwhelming grace alone, for His glory alone. And those who are truly in Christ will live according to the Spirit. Did you notice as we read through this passage, it jumped out at me this week, how every person of the Godhead God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, all working in perfect unity to provide the way for you and I today, sitting here in this assembly this morning, to experience this new freedom. God sent His Son to be a sin offering, to condemn sin in the flesh. 
Jesus, the Son of God, willingly obeyed the Father's plan of redemption and came and sacrificed himself on our behalf. And the Holy Spirit applies the wonderful work of redemption that Christ has done on the cross for us to our lives. Incredible. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all making it possible for us to enjoy this privilege that we have in Christ, a new freedom. We are free from the fear of judgment to live according to the Spirit. Isn't that good news? Well, that's not it. There's another privilege that Paul highlights that we have in Christ's all-inclusive salvation, and that is a new mindset. A new mindset, which we find in verses 5 to 8. In these verses, Paul continues to build a contrast that he starts in verse 4 between those who are living according to the flesh. And when Paul uses the word flesh, what he's referring to is our natural sinful nature with all its weakness. So those who are living according to the flesh versus those who are living according to the Spirit. And he makes a very critical link that I want us to make sure that we, we really get it this morning. Because a lot of times we talk about our heart, right, as disciples. We talk about our heart. But I want you to see here, Paul makes a very clear link between how one lives and how one thinks. Go back to verse 5 with me. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires desires. How one lives is connected to how one thinks. Now, Paul here is making a distinction between those who are in Christ, so no longer under condemnation, versus those who are still in the domain of darkness outside of Christ and are still under condemnation. What he's not doing here is describing the temptations we as Christians face as a result of still living in a fallen world with our sinful nature. No, the point he's making is that a lifestyle of those who are living according to their sinful nature flows out. It flows out of a mindset, out of a will that is consumed with wanting to satisfy the desires of their sinful nature. And that includes sinful thoughts. Go back with me to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh. We realize that. We've been there. And following its desires, we get that. But look what he adds. And thoughts. And thoughts. Our thoughts are so important. What our mind is set on is so important. So those who live a life according to the flesh, that flows out of a mindset, out of a will that is consumed with satisfying those sinful desires and thoughts. Whereas those who live according to the Spirit, that flows out, that lifestyle flows out of a mind that is focused on pleasing God and responding to the Spirit. You see, the result of being rescued from the domain of darkness and being brought into the kingdom of light is that our minds are renewed so that we are now able to do something. That's why it's called a new mindset. We're now able to do something that we weren't able to do formerly when we lived in the domain of darkness. And that was submit to God's law and please Him. But now that we have a new mindset through salvation by faith in Jesus Christ, we are able to submit to the law of God and we are able to please God. 
You see, becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ just doesn't involve our hearts. It's a change at the head level. It's a change in our heart, at the heart level, that ultimately impacts our lifestyle, how we live that out. Mind, heart will be evidenced in how we live that out. And with our new life, through the power of the Spirit and the work of Jesus Christ, we experience a new attitude. We experience a new orientation, a new pattern of thinking. Our affections change and they become in line with the Spirit rather than satisfying the desires of our flesh. We had a, a nice time over Christmas. We had a family that are newer to our church, newer disciples of Jesus Christ, probably within the last year and a half. And uh, they came over and we enjoyed some Christmas cookies together and had some hot chocolate together. And it was just neat within our evening to hear these younger disciples of Jesus Christ try to just explain what I've told you this morning. They were just saying, it's just so interesting. Everything's changed. I view people at work differently. I view my wife differently. How I respond to my kids. Things I used to love doing, they don't really attract me much anymore. I just want to, I want to be at church. I want to know more people. And it was just so neat to see this truth that when we have a new mindset by faith in Jesus Christ, our orientations change, our affections change, and we are able to do something we were never able to do, and that is please God. What Jesus provides for us is the opportunity for us to no longer be controlled. We're free by the flesh, but instead to be controlled by the Spirit of God, a new power within us that allows us to be victorious over sin. This is why we must celebrate. We must celebrate what God has done for us. He's taken us out of the domain of darkness. He's placed us into the wonderful, marvelous light of the kingdom of his son, where we were enslaved to flesh, which would ultimately lead to spiritual death, eternal separation from God. And instead, he has brought us into his kingdom where we experience a new freedom. We experience a new mindset that allows us to be obedient and to have life. I don't want us to miss the warnings Paul gives in verse 6, 7, and 8. I noted here that he makes five drastic statements about those whose minds remain governed by the flesh, those who remain outside of Christ. The mind governed by the flesh is death. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God, does not submit to God's law. But listen, nor can it do so. Sometimes we have wrong expectations of unbelievers. They are unable to submit to the law of God. They're una unable to please God. Verse 8 says, those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. And sadly, individuals who remain in that state do not experience the joy that we've had the privilege of singing this morning. They have not experienced yet the joy unless God intervenes in their lives and gives them the gift of faith to believe in Jesus Christ to experience what we experience today, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Mindsets have an eternal consequence. Mindsets have an eternal consequence. The mind of sinful man is death, now spiritually dead, and forever spiritually dead. There is no future in following the desires of your flesh because it will lead you further and further away from God. Whereas those whose minds are transformed and governed by the Spirit enjoy life and peace. Are you experiencing life and peace this morning? Are you spiritually alive 
And are you so thankful that you have peace with God? With our new mindsets, we are now able to please God. A new freedom, a new mindset. And thirdly, in Christ, we enjoy the privilege of a new indwelling presence. Verses 9 and 11. You and I both know that when any individual receives Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, there is two gifts that they immediately receive. Eternal life and the Holy Spirit. Eternal life and the Holy Spirit. Both wonderful gifts. But sometimes we remember eternal life, but sometimes we underappreciate the gift of the Holy Spirit. Two gifts that we receive. Romans chapter 6, verse 20 to 23. Turn there with me. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free, praise the Lord, from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness. And the result is eternal life. John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38 and 39, on the day of Pentecost, after the Holy Spirit descended, and Peter got up to preach, to declare and share the gospel of who Jesus Christ was. And they asked him, brothers, what must we do? Peter responds in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 38 and 39. He replies, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promises for you and your children. And listen to this. For all who are far off, all who are in the domain of darkness... Whom the Lord our God will call. Powerful verse. Gift of eternal life, gift of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. These verses became so real in my life when I was 21, and I'll share with you why. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. When you receive Jesus Christ by God's grace through faith, you received eternal life and you received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit is a seal that you belong to him. Guaranteeing what is to come. And that became so important to me when I was 21. How many of you here have ever struggled, even as a disciple, wondering, am I truly saved? Struggled with assurance. Let me tell you, this verse was so helpful to me when I was in that season, sitting on a lawn tractor doing landscaping at Trinity Western University in Langley, wondering, am I truly in Christ? I've been raised in a Christian home. I go to church. I read the Bible. But am I truly in Christ or have I just been trained really well to act like a Christian? I'm confused. I need to know. And it was on that tractor that day that God brought this verse to my mind. And it settled in my heart once and for all that I am in Christ by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And the evidence of that is I knew the Holy Spirit was living in me. Because I wasn't out doing what all the other 21-year-old guys that I was playing rugby with were doing and felt the freedom to do. Why was I restrained from 
going after and satisfying the desires of my flesh because the Holy Spirit lived in me. What a blessing when you understand the assurance that that brings to your life. With this new indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, you and I here this morning who are in Christ enjoy the joy. Jordan's right. There should be joy in the house every time we gather together because we get to experience the joy of assurance. Assurance that we are in Christ, that we belong to Him. Not only that, we have the joy of assurance that we have new creation life. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 and 18. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. How do I know I'm in Christ? The indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. No longer are we spiritually dead in our sins and transgressions. Yes, we still are bound to our earthly bodies that are subject to death because of the curse of sin. But even in that, the Spirit gives us life, spiritual life. We have been made alive in Christ this morning. Are you alive in Christ this morning? I sure hope so. And if you are, you will know because you have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. And thirdly, we experience the joy of assurance that our future resurrection is secure. The prerequisite of our future life in the resurrection is the Spirit's indwelling presence in our life. Think about this for a moment. The same Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you and me if you're in Christ. This week, I realized afresh that is astounding. That's not only astounding, but it gives me such great assurance. The same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead now lives in me. And if the Spirit raised Christ, He will also raise us. Our bodies may be doomed to die in this life, but the Spirit, the Spirit of life, the Spirit of God who raised our Lord Jesus from the dead dwells within us, guaranteeing that our bodies will not end in the grave. We heard of a sister this morning who went to be with the Lord. Greg Martin, doctor, not Dr. Greg Martin, electrician Greg Martin's mother-in-law, Helen. She went to be with the Lord. One of my favorite parts of, of being a shepherd is the graveside service. And when that body, the tent of our loved one or who we know we're doing the service with is laid in the ground and they're a believer, there's this excitement that comes inside of me. And I'm like, this is so cool. This is just a temporary resting spot. That body is going to rise again. And it is going to be united with their soul and they're going to have a glorified body. The grave is not the end of the story for those who are in Christ. It's not. An assurance of our future resurrected life and secure future within, within the presence of God forever. You know if you have that, if you're experiencing the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. The indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit gives me joy and assurance that I'm in Christ, that I have new creation life, and that my future is secure. Are you enjoying that assurance this morning? Do you have assurance without a shadow of a doubt that you are in Christ. 
Do you have assurance that you have new creation life? Do you have assurance that your eternal future is going to be in the presence of God? If you don't have that insurance, you can have it today. God loves you. How do I know He loves you? Because you're here this morning. He's put breath in your lungs to come here and ears to hear the message which we are going to celebrate through the Lord's Supper of what Jesus has done on your behalf. And faith to believe in Jesus Christ and to be rescued from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of light, to be moved from condemned to forgiven and free and have assurance comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God the message of Jesus Christ. If you don't have that insurance, there is nothing that we would love to do more than help you to experience that new freedom, to experience the new mindset, to experience the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. And if God is drawing you to himself to believe in Jesus Christ this morning, please don't leave this building before you come and talk to one of us here at the front after the service or talk to one of our pastors in the connections room. God loves you. We love you. And he has given us the answer to that tension that you're feeling, and it's Jesus Christ. We can rest in the assurance that the Holy Spirit brings to us. A new freedom a new mindset, a new indwelling presence, all ours to enjoy because of Christ's all-inclusive salvation, paid in full through his sacrificial death on the cross on our behalf. Such amazing grace, such incredible privileges should move us, should stir in our hearts to come to celebrate the Lord's table now together with humble hearts, filled with gratitude and filled with praise. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you loved us, that you sent your Son. Thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. Father, forgive us when we have overlooked and underappreciated all of your grace and your love that you've extended to us through Jesus Christ. And God, I pray for anyone here this morning who is not in union with you and stands condemned today, separated from you. God, please be gracious as you were to me and to so many in this building this morning. Please be gracious. Extend your grace. Give them the gift of faith to receive Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And so, Father, we now come to celebrate together, to remember what Jesus Christ did on our behalf to make it possible for us to experience these privileges which Paul has reminded us of this morning through his letter to the Romans. I pray that we will do it in a way that brings honor and glory to you. We love you. All this that we enjoy is from you. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So what is our response? Well, it's not a response. We have an obligation. Those of us who are in Jesus Christ have an obligation in light of the new freedom, the new mindset, the new indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in us, have an obligation. 
What is that obligation? The Apostle Paul, chapter 8, verse 12 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. This is not an option. But it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. The obligation of this all-inclusive salvation that has been provided for us by God's grace through the work of Jesus Christ applied to our lives through the Holy Spirit is not to live according to our old way of living. No. Instead is to actively, intentionally depend on the power of the Holy Spirit and put to death the misdeeds of our body. John Stott says, if temptation comes to us through what we see, handle, or visit, then we must be ruthless in not looking, not touching, and not going. Our obligation of those who are free is through the power of the Holy Spirit to put to death the misdeeds of the body. Set our minds on the things the Spirit desires. Set our hearts on things above, occupying our thoughts with whatever is noble, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. And what you will discover and what I have discovered as a disciple on the journey towards maturity is that living for the glory of God by the Spirit of God is the path to true and lasting joy. You are free indeed, Jesus says. So let's go and live like it. May God bless you, and I trust you have a great afternoon and a great week.